Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, where we shine the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, Red Stripe, Kyramed and Proven Investments Limited. Hello everyone. Welcome to Impacting Jamaica. I'm Tamika Gordon. I'm speaking today with Ivan Witter, a Jamaican business facilitator and consultant based in England. One of her many hats is developing enterprise programs and training for startups. She has also worked with several organizations in the UK and Africa to help small businesses to build their capacity and bolster their viability. Thank you so much for joining us, Yvonne. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. The pleasure is ours as well. Let's begin our conversation by talking a little bit about where you are from and what it was like for you growing up. Well, St. Thomas in the Morant Bay is where I spent my formative years. And, um, and um, you know, the United Kingdom is uh, also home. So I have, I straddled two places, if you like, um, because I think where you, I think where you, um, where you grew up, where your formative years are, are very critical, you know, um, in terms of sometimes your values and beliefs and your your character uh, formation. So um, I kind of straddled two, two, two cultures, um, not kind of, I do straddle two cultures. Um, so yeah, so that's who I am. I mean, I'm divorced. I have a, an adult male child who I adore and um, I operate, I, I I see myself since 2010 as working globally. So mm -hmm. I don't really, I'm not really much into borders <laughs> mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. I think as African people, we're just one people. Mm -hmm. You spoke about your formative years and the impact of being, the impact of your your environment, your nurturing and where you're from um, on that. What, what do you mean by that? I think I think for me, um, you know, having the opportunity to live in Jamaica from a young age, and then come back to the UK, uh, it's taught me um, values. And um, for for one, I learned that you know the world doesn't revolve around whiteness and colonialism. You know that there are there are many many people born in the United Kingdom never get to experience the fact that there are judges, lawyers chief of police, chief of fire brigade, chief doctor, chief medical officer, <laughs> they, are all, they are all people who look like them, you know. Um, so many people operate in a system where the only people they see or the, the majority of people they see, you know, um, don't look like them. So it's difficult for aspiration. And then also they don't feel they can attain or they don't feel able because they're also, the society is structured in such a way you know, where blackness isn't seen as, as something to elevate or elevated in any way. So when you're not raised in a, an environment where you, black people are, are at the top, at the peak of their professions or at the peak of society, government and everywhere, you know, you, you can, 
you can feel a bit stymied, like it's not for you or you shouldn't strive to achieve that. Or And you will have many obstacles in this place anyway in the UK. So having a Jamaican, what I mean by my Jamaican upbringing is that it fortified me um, because I have a deep sense of who I am in the world. And so therefore, you know, you, you can sort of go through without some of the, some of the um, negative, some of the negative uh under you know, so the negative under thoughts, thoughts or yeah. beliefs, yeah, that might underpin your ambitions, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it when you make hurdles, because I remember, you know, like and it's just, it's not unique to me, but um, you know, I remember people being told, you know, oh, I say I want to do this particular course and career advisor saying, Oh no, well, you can't do that because it's gonna be too difficult, <laughs> you yeah. know. But but because of my because of where I'm coming from, I say yeah, well, I want to do it anyway. You know, well, oh, but the test is really hard. You might not get through. That's fine. I'll do it anyway. And of course, I get through, and I'm probably the only black person in the in the in. The, um, well, I did get through actually, mm. um, in my business studies, and I was the only black person in the group. But you know what I mean? It's like if you're not if you don't have that kind of backative in you, you could just turn away and think, oh, you know, you believe the authority of this white person. You believe their authority in the first place. Yeah, you so know, your formative uh, years made yeah. you formidable. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think so, you know. And um, I grew up in an environment where my parents had returned to Jamaica because they'd had enough of England and its foolishness. And um, and they set up small business and, you know, a lot of my relatives followed. So there was a time in Morant Bay when, you know, we, if what somebody, remember the family was a retail or restaurant and bar and nightclub, whatever, everybody around something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I also was also exposed to that environment, which, which again, you know, kind of strengthens, strengthens you as well, you know. Um, so, yeah. I That's one of the did. questions I wanted to ask as well in terms of your background or your upbringing. Did you always mm -hmm. um, want to be an entrepreneur? You know, did your did your your formative years and what you experienced as a child with your parents being involved in entrepreneurial ventures? influence your your decision did you always you know no, see yourself going no, along that similar path no so <laughs> i was like no so because i i never got school holiday i had to work in the restaurant on holidays i had to every saturday morning i had to take stock and take the 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 list of stuff needed in the restaurant down to the wholesalers and then they would deliver it later on i mean i had the rest of the day to myself with my friends to go lime but you know, I had these duties, you know, and what I experienced was my parents were just always in this place. When they help her go into the house empty and um, and I was like, no way, never, no way, me, no, no, I'm not running no business. So, because, because too much hard work and they have not no time. They don't seem to have any time often. <laughs> I thought it was crazy. But here you are still, you know, an entrepreneur yourself. Yeah, this is this is the weirdest thing because um, you know, eventually I decided that um I wanted to see change in the area that I was working in in the UK in London, and I thought the way to do that is to set up my own company to to create change because I don't know that that's just how I saw that I could do it, and so I, yeah, set up a company again, still not thinking about my upbringing, not making any connection with it. And then, and then eventually, after years of of running it, finding myself realizing that 
okay, I didn't work the same, I didn't get up at, I didn't work the same hours they did in the same kind of business, but I was still working myself to the bone, going to bed at three in the morning and or not going to bed at all, you know, making sure that my proposal was right, this was right, that was right. So different, completely different kind of work, but still with the same work ethic, you know what I mean? Because my parents are really, um, they were very um, customer service orientated and, you know, wanted everything right and, and and um yeah i think i just got that from them they were they were never slapdash about anything um and always wanted to please you know sometimes the restaurant would be closing and um because we closed about four-ish in them days and then and then people would turn up oh miss, miss b miss b beg you something and then i say oh everything finished and then my mom sometimes the cook's gone home everybody going my mom would go in check out stuff Cook, cook it. The person have to wait and waited, and they'd serve them a meal. You know, that's that's what I grew up with. That's what I grew up and saw. Um, no, no this thing so where uh, they they can't be bothered or or anything like that. They're just my mom. They would go in the kitchen and find something, and and, and prepare it and bring it out. What are some of the areas are are um areas of concern or the needs that you saw? particularly in black owned businesses that led you to start your company toward you know meeting the needs and training the the um the business operators i think for me in the uk i was i was um i was i'm a, i'm a project manager one of the things i do is manage projects and i was managing a huge enterprise project and um it was funded at the time a lot of money nearly a million funded by the learning and skills council in the uk and it was covering areas of um, I think Lambeth and Southwark and the Crystal Palace Triangle and basically it was um, um, upskilling the small business sector and uh, we were working in partnership with other agencies chambers of commerce and all sorts but my job was to manage the project and um, I just felt like at the time when I was doing this um, I just felt like the black business community wasn't benefiting um, sufficiently and one of, one of the things some of my some of the partners in the program would say to me is things like um, I said that I thought that the small business people running their small business like if you're a dressmaker plumber joiner caterer cake maker them people I thought they needed support to write their own business plan and some of my colleagues who they don't really come from um, the kind of background I come from they they used to work in banking like maybe on the tellers or whatever. So they're not, I don't, I don't consider them to be business people. I, I consider them people who worked in banks. And so they said to me, oh, no, if you're starting a business, you should be able to write your own business plan. And I'm like, why? Why would a dressmaker know how to write a business plan? Why, why should she need to? I can't sew. You know what I mean? I can't join. I can't do plumbing. But I know how to write a business plan. So they should be supported to do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, they need to be involved because it's their business. But why should they? Why do you think it's automatic? And they should sit there and struggle to put this thing, this document uh, essentially together which nowadays people don't even too too bother with those complex business plans anymore but back in the day it was seen as you know a necessity which mm -hmm. isn't my parents never had none <laughs> mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so they had to learn the systems. hard way they had well there are systems and processes you know you have to understand your cash flow which which i think i think in my family a lot of people understood money you know if you understand how your money flows in and out of your business if you understand how to 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 deal with customers, how to manage that relationship with your customers, you know, without customers, you don't have a business at the end of the day. Right. You 
And if you can't manage your money, your business is not going to thrive. You know, and I think those two things are key essentials. Right. So how do you think your programs or your work has helped in terms of, you know, bolstering um, businesses and assisting operators to understand the whole platform of running a business? I think I think my work has been seminal in the fact that one 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 thing I did when I was doing the direct work was to do, identify that women in particular had different needs to men. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all women, but many women. And that that I, I identified that because I run I run a training program in the community for people who want to start their business um, out of a college, and t- three I think three women joined the course the second term, and I'm like. Eh? I'm like, why have you tried, you know, have I done something wrong? What did you not understand? And they were like, and I said to them, so I I didn't want to single them out. So I said to the whole group, you know, who feels they could do with some support around confidence and self-esteem. And of course, all the women put their hands up. And I was like, hmm, that makes sense because men will have a goal. Men are more, men are less risk averse. Mm-hmm. Um, the women, women are more risk averse. And I think it's because we're, we we care for the children of mostly we care about the whole, you know, we think about different things. So, so I, I then incorporated um, um, areas of soft skills around confidence and self-esteem into my work and it just took off like phenomenally. And there are lots of women who have come, I don't only work with women, but there's lots of women who have come through my program who are still trading, you know, 10 years hence and develop their businesses. And I'm really proud of them. What are some of the traits that you think female business owners need to have in order to break through some of these glass ceilings? I don't know. I see, I don't, I don't, I, can't, I don't kind of view it that way because I think women are fine as we are. Mm-hmm. I just think that, um, um, you know, I'd hate to see women aping men because women are women and we are nurturers and we're, we're, we're all, we're all, we're different. And I think our difference is to be celebrated, you know? Um, so I think, I think women as we are, are, um, we tend to be not all of us, but we tend to be um, much more nurturing, much more caring, much more empathetic, um, you know, in terms of how we work. And those are good good skills to have you know we 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 women need to um, be comfortable with showing vulnerability especially as leaders because it encourages and supports others so i think that um what we need to do is um m- maybe have more confidence in our ability and remember that um our children and our families come first mm-hmm how how um what are some of the other initiatives that you've, you've worked on you know and in some of the other countries and you've done work in africa and so tell them tell me about some of those other initiatives and you know the the small businesses that you've worked with so in africa is um so in ghana my work overseas has straddled the social enterprise sector or third sector ngo sector as people call it internationally mm-hmm. and the small business sector and um, one of the, one one organization I'm really proud of is the Street Children's Education Foundation, SEF, S-C-E-F. And they're based in Ghana. And I remember the young chap 
um, seen him around 2010 and he wanted to, there was an organization, but it just wasn't functioning. It was an older guy running it and it just wasn't on point. And I worked with him uh, and went back to Ghana even after that on my own steam and took a friend from New York as well to deliver some more support uh, to them. And I mean, I didn't even know that street children was a thing. You know, I learned, I read up a lot. I did a lot of research when I was there. Like, what is this street children? And there are generations of street children, children born on the street. And, you know, it's just, mm. and now he does stuff to educate parents, um, you know, build small enterprise with parents to do things. And, and they have a big school, you know, uh, funded by lots of international charities that educate these children and take them off the streets uh, and find, you know, homes for them. So it's, it's quite quite incredible project. You know, small things, you know, like, like igla type things or making soap or making clothes or, but there's giving them basic skills to do stuff that they can turn their money. Mm-hmm. And then I think in Ghana as well, was it Ghana? Yeah, there was a, another woman who had a woman's like cooperative and they were doing various things around, um, making various things to sell, um, creative things, and, you know, just kind of getting them to, to cap- capacity build their organization, basically, you know, how to put in structures in place, how best to, to, to I remember exactly what we did with them, but basically to get them to function more. And it was, yeah, it was about the woman who'd come through, how do you get them to come back into the organization to, to support new women coming through, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a circular thing. So it doesn't end, you know. Paying it forward, so um, to speak. Yeah, exactly. And so so that you build sustainability. So I think that's what I was helping them with, how to build sustainability in doing something like that. Because, you know, you could just train up a bunch of women and then they go off, you know, and then, and then what, do you know? But how cool is it if some of those women then come back and do some of the training to train another set and they go off, you know what I mean? Like that. What are some um, of the programs or initiatives that you have worked with um, that that have benefited Jamaican businesses? Jamaica is a bit of a tough nut to crack. <laughs> I mean, I, I have made, I don't know. I, I, I tried to make many inroads into Jamaica during 2010. I, I, I approached Heart. I think I was ahead of my time, to be fair, because, I mean, I was in Jamaica last month in November, talking at the YE uh, Summit, Youth Enterprise Summit, and spoke to people from Heart and stuff. And I think they're much more engaged in terms of entrepreneurship mm. um, than they were back then, you know? So I think mm. I was knocking on doors at a time when possibly Jamaica wasn't quite... <laughs> and, and often as well, when you come from the, from abroad, I find... Um, um, and you wanted to share skills and knowledge... Uh, people are expecting you to be to look different uh, because you're coming from England and they expect you to come in, to be coming with money. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't I wasn't coming with money, and I'm a black woman, you know. Mm-hmm. So even even though I had um I paid I paid for my what there's this thing you can pay for at the Jamaica um UK Trade and Industry with the Jamaica High Commission, you can pay for people to do research on. And companies to approach and all that kind of thing. So even though I paid money and and got all that groundwork done and arranged the meetings at the Pegasus and stuff, even when I was sitting there, I remember one woman walked into the place <laughs> and I was sitting at the table and she walked in, she looked at me, she walked past, she walked around, she walked around, she come back and she said, she was like, are you even with it? And I said, yes. And she was like, her face was just like a picture. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's like um, you're not what she was expecting at all. No, it wasn't. Not at all. No, no. You know. So so what expectations? Um, I think eventually I met people from Wignall from Jamaica's. Is it Jamaica's Small Business, Small Business Association. Association? Right. Yeah. He, he. You know. He was polite and charming, and I met um. I think Chin from Pierce or Jay or somebody, but yeah, he was. It was just interesting, you know. So overall, I just you're make... seeing now a, a greater reception in terms of the willingness to build the ecosystem for small businesses that you did not notice in 2010. No, no, yeah, I think so because you know, I mean, somebody even approached me and said that, um, you know, they have. I think somebody from Hard. I'm trying to reach out to this lady as well. Saying that um, there are lots of small businesses in, in Jamaica who would like to to you know build alliances with businesses in the UK, and um, yeah, I mean, so I, th I think probably people are looking out more outwardly or more globally. Mm -hmm. I just think I was probably ahead of my time when I was kind of knocking on doors and saying, uh, I want to share skills, knowledge, and experience, and see how I can develop. But I'm I'm happy now that we have advanced, you know, past that stage where, you know, mm. the ecosystem and the platform is being built. Let's now take a break to hear from our sponsors. Grace has been part of some special moments over the years, helping to make them, well, more memorable, even when they're a little bit unexpected. And with 100 years of great taste behind us, you can be sure we'll be making even more moments for 100 years to come. Grace, taste that moves you. John John, I know you're in there. I want to when lights come back. I know Pinky this time. Akeisha. Akeisha, just like me tell Pinky. Give GPS your number and then we'll send your text with them things here. So you can't stop, knock my door. What do you mean? DM or call JPS and tell them to add your phone number to your account and you will know everything all the time. You're not for us. Send your current contact information and always be in the know. Visit jpsco.com for more info. Searching for a one-stop solution to all your facilities maintenance needs? Visit Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center. We stock a wide range of COVID-19 washroom cleaning and other supplies, gardening tools, chemicals, and more. Our experts are always ready to give you the best advice. Manpower Maintenance Services Sales and Distribution Center, 14 Collins Green Avenue, Kingston, Freeport Commercial Center, Montego Bay, and 33 Ward Avenue, Mandeville. Visit or call us today, 876-920-47215. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Ms. Yvonne Witter, a business consultant and trainer who helps small businesses to build their capacity. And she's sharing with us how she goes about, you know, doing what she does. All right, Yvonne, so we were talking about, you know, the fact that Jamaica seems to be more in tune to the needs of entrepreneurs and the platform and the ecosystem is being properly built out now to support the building of small businesses. But there is a, 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 a based on our conversation, there is something that's called burnout. You know, business operators get to that point where they feel completely overwhelmed. And you have shared that you personally have experienced this. Tell me about your experience and how you got over it. And then let's discuss now how you can help, you know, businesses to prevent or handle this situation. Yeah, I think, I think sometimes we're, 
from from talking to people and and I'm working on a program uh, which talks about you know, how leaders can 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 lead black leaders can lead with self compassion but um I don't think when you're in the throes of burnout anybody actually recognizes it <laughs> um you just know that you're, you're feeling like you say a sense of overwhelm what what are some of the signs that you saw for yourself that you re- that made you realize you were you were burnt out like I said, I didn't realize I was being burnt out because the people who are being burnt out often don't realize they're being burnt out. You either fall ill. I think I got breast cancer. You either fall very ill or or something something else goes down. Your business fails or something. My business didn't fail. My body caved in. Mm-hmm. So I don't think at the time when you're going through burnout, you actually realize you're going through burnout. You, you, on, it's on reflection maybe you realize that you were feeling overwhelmed and, um, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, I think that's what happens. Um, so I think for some people, they, they, business, they can't cope with the business and they don't deliver, they fail in, you know, meeting their contracts, whatever, whatever. And then for other people, I suppose it's your health, isn't it? That takes a toll or your family relationships crumble or something, something, something has to give, as they say, uh, in life. How does um, your work also, help business operators then to prevent or to handle this situation, you know, having gone through it yourself and with the, the programs that you've developed? I think I think the, the main thing is for us is to be able to understand that we live, we work, we some of it's intergenerational and some of it's to do with our own historical trauma. We operate in, a, in an environment where, as I don't know, for Jamaica, but we operate sometimes in an environment where we believe that we have to be, you know, four times as good just to break even. Um, we also operate in it, which is not true, you know. Um, and if even if it is true, then we have to sort of know how to manage that or not or decide not to play that particular game. Um, we have to also be able to to balance balance our work life, and we have to also believe in ourselves. And we have to also charge. Um, one of the things we do, um, some of us do, is not charge properly for the work that we do. And again, you know, we have um, intergenerational trauma, which kind of mitigates against a lot of things. Some stuff that we're not even aware of. Let's you know, pause a bit, religion... um, Yvonne, and talk about that mm. being charged for the work that you do. What exactly do you mm. mean? You know, Let's expound on that. People people often have an issue with pricing. You know, sometimes it's new businesses. Sometimes it's people who are in business already. It's about valuing yourself, how you value yourself and the work that you do. Uh, some people will... Um, there are some... I don't know if you've ever come across people who their work isn't all that great, but they charge a whole heap of money. And you just think, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, they've got the balls to actually charge that for that garbage. But they do it because they, <laughs> their sense of belief... Is absolutely is absolutely phenomenal, you know. So, so there is there is that, and there are people who produce really good work, and they and they they they're shy about about charging. I mean, I, I often get asked about pricing, often even even last week somebody sent me. An oh, email. I, I thought I don't mean to cut it, but I actually thought you were going to. I thought you you actually meant charging yourself, being able to give of yourself to what you do. No, no, I may have no, what you no. Mean. No, in that in that sense, I just say you know we have to create a good work life balance. 
-hmm. and you know work is important but it's not everything and we can't we you know it's it, one of the things I learned along the way is that it's very dangerous when we define ourselves by the work that we do because we're so much more you know we're mothers we're sisters we're aunties you know we're cousins we're friends we're grandmothers some some people you know so we, we have to be careful how we define ourselves some people are defined by their work and if they don't if they haven't got that title lawyer teacher doctor in front of their name they'll be lost you know we mustn't we mustn't you know find ourselves in that position because we are not our jobs work is what we do for sustainability right Tell me about your desire to become an angel investor. Why Why this desire? Why this next um, move for you? You see, for me, it's a logical step. Um, I've, it's something I've wanted to do for ages, actually. And um, I remember the time when I was knocking on doors in Jamaica, I had some money at the time. And I, I remember wanting to set up a a fund, you know, I saw, actually, I saw something when I was in Jamaica. I think I'm by German or something, where they were offering money to pe to I think it was social enterprise, I can't remember. And I was thinking, hmm, but then I was thinking, how do I manage it? You know, I was like, how do you manage it? If I offer, you know, small sums of money to people, how do I manage it? So then I thought, mm, I don't know. And I, like I said to you before, I was, I was really struggling to make any headway with people um, who, who had big names in this emerging sector in Jamaica. So I kind of left that be. But now I've, um, Andy, I am, I found a black in, investors club and I'm really excited. So I've joined. And um, yes, I'm learning to become an angel investor because it seems logical um, to invest in and invest in small businesses that are coming up that need investment. Because so how often does one go about becoming an oh, angel investor? Sorry? How do you be go about becoming an angel investor? What does the process entail? My 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 route is to is to join um Andy Iams team, investing team. And also, and to be trained, and basically you 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 learn. I'm a business consultant. I've been a, for twenty odd years, so I understand business. So I'm not coming to it from a virgin point of view. I can I read a balance sheet and all that kind of thing. So, but still, you know, it's 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 kind of understanding um, a pitch deck when people come and pitch their business to you, knowing what to look for. Um, you know, it kind of just sharpens my my, my skills around. What am I looking for? So, you know, it, might, it could be someone doing stuff around hair, a hair hair company. Um, so I might, I might want to invest in it because they're doing natural hair. It's false hair, but it's natural hair, natural looking hair, for example. But then I wouldn't be happy if that company then diversified into bleaching cream. So, you know what I mean? So I need to be, I need to be clear that the company that I'm investing in, how ethical it is, and it's not going to, I'm not going to find out, you know, two years down the road that they're now doing bleaching cream or something like that, or or straight here or Brazilian here or something. So it's 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 just kind of understanding what kind of businesses you want to invest in um, and uh, and the ethics, the ethics of it all. I, I consider myself to be an ethical investor. And I want to black businesses struggle because the banks don't or don't don't trust us. And they don't they let us run through hoops to give us money, even when we have fantastic businesses. So I think it's good that we have black angel investors emerging. So I'm all part of that um, movement and that ecosystem. What are some of, where are some of the places or regions that you're looking to invest in, and and um, you know have you identified, for example, Jamaica as one of the countries that you 
you'll be seeking to you know unearth some initiatives in i don't know i don't know any, i mean i know i've met your head of stock exchange marlene I years ago yeah and i know that jamaica is stock exchange is really you know um high up there in terms of performance which is fantastic for a small place you know what i mean but um yeah, I mean, I'm open, you know, I'm, I'm starting off with Andy's school. And yeah, I mean, at the moment, I think most of our investments are in the UK and Africa. But um, I'm, I'm sure that we're not limited uh, in that sense. If I saw something in Jamaica that struck my eye, I'd be interested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there any um, other initiatives, for example, you know, any give back? giving back initiatives that you undertake that you want to share with us you know well i'm part of what's called g100 mm -hmm. which is a global network of women it started out of india and um the aim with g100 is to you know uh she calls it mission million in 2022 i mean it's just it's an amazing um influential group of uh, 100 women leaders from across the world um 100 country clubs in each wing and just about every country in the world is represented on this um g100 and the idea is that um we we network we go to events for example i was in cairo just before covid struck speaking at um a, a summit an all-woman summit um, around, you know, my topic was something like, how do you get yourself heard when you're the only woman in the room kind of thing? And women were speaking on various different topics, but you meet women globally. So, and it's something I've always been interested in, you know, building a global network uh, so we can trade with each other, we can share ideas, we can learn. One of the thing I like, things I like about international working, working in the Far East and Africa, is it is is kind of opened me up to different cultures, different business cultures, different cultures of lifestyle living. When when I work overseas, I don't I don't stick myself in the expat community because I know they're going to drink beer and watch football and go to the pub. I know exactly what they're going to do, so I'm not really into that. So I try to immerse myself in local culture, eat the food, go to places, shop. Sometimes it's awkward. Um, because in Myanmar, they like they'd never seen a black woman before, so they'd be taking pictures of me unsolicited, and it was really sometimes it was annoying. Um, because if they ask me, I don't mind, but just you know, find someone flashing a camera, you're trying to eat in a restaurant, sometimes yes. it was really stressful. So, but, so um, in, in terms of what the G100 does, though, um, with respect to its objective, why hmm. does that really speak to you and 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 remind me again what the goal of it is? So the goal of it is to to break to not to wait for global equality, but to uh, but I think um the founder the founder of it um who is Habin Aurora and if you Google G one hundred um Habin Aurora you know she set up set up the All Ladies League and the Women's Economic Forum and it's just a way to to give back to to pay it forward. To 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 support other women, basically. So it's women it. business. It's women business operators supporting other female-run businesses. Not just business, but you could be a you could be anything, a philanthropist. You could be. You don't have to be in business. You just need to be a woman who wants to um, support other women across the world. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's advocacy, awareness, and impact. 
Um, you could be from a government organization. You could be, yeah, anyone, really. But um, yeah, the next there's a there's an event coming up in Nigeria in March that I'd like to attend. There's um, I think the media wing of G100. I'm in the enterprise wing, as you can imagine, but the media wing of G100. Um, uh, there's a Nigerian um club member, whatever group if you like, and they're having a conference. I'd really like to go to that. Then I get to see Nigeria as well. <laughs> what, what, what's so, next you know, for your company though, Ivan? What's next for your, huh? um, for your consultancy? What do you see as your next what, move? I, yeah, my next move is to, I, I want to produce another book in my series of, because um, my book, um, uh, Customer Service in the African Caribbean Business or in a Black Business, um, I want to create. I want to create the next book in the series because it's all the series is called Cracking the Nut, and the first nut was looking at customer relationships, and the next one, um, we'll probably look at um, the hairdressing industry and the beauty industry for Black women. So I want to write about that. Uh, so cracking that particular nut. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Ivan, and we wish you continued success in all your ventures. Thank you for joining Impact in Jamaica. Thank you, Tamika. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Impact in Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Red Stripe, Kyramed, and Proven Investments Limited. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate, and encourage, send us an email to impactingjamaica at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on Google Podcast, Audible, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com.